It's just so good to be back here at Basingstoke. As we travelled over today, Liz and I said it, it feels like going home. And uh, we're so grateful to God for the way that he's brought our hearts together. As we travel over the UK, many leaders would ask us the question, what is the greatest need that you see within the church today? And one could say, we need more of the supernatural. We need to see more signs and wonders. Or one could say, we actually need more extravagant worship so that God would inhabit the praises of his people. One could say we need more solid, good Bible teaching within the culture that we live in. One could say we actually need more evangelistic outreach into the community. And I believe that all four would be right in different situations. But one of the greatest needs, I believe, within the church today as we travel across the nation is this encouragement. And so this morning, I want to speak to you about the power of encouragement. And Paul was a great encourager. It was a key factor in his ministry. He inspired people to grow and reach their full potential in God. He was a great encourager to the church in Thessalonica. He founded that church on the second missionary journey around AD 51. And Paul encouraged this early church in three ways. And I believe if we cultivate these within the church today, we'll be stronger, we'll be more vibrant, we'll be more effective for God and for his kingdom. The first way he encouraged the church was he sent them a letter. In AD 51, there was no royal mail. There was no internet. There was no phone. There was no Instagram. There was no Twitter. Just good old pen and paper and a messenger. And Paul's heart and burden is for the church at Thessalonica, so he takes time to write them a letter. And as you read this letter, there are two main reasons why Paul wrote the letter. First of all, he wanted to express his unconditional love for the church. 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 and 8. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel, but our very lives. Paul says, we loved you so much. The literal Greek translation says, we could not love you anymore. God had lavished his love upon Paul, so Paul wanted to lavish his love upon the church. He wanted to inspire them to go on. And receiving this letter enthused them in their walk with God. And I'm sure they read this letter openly again and again and again. And I want to say to you, this morning, never underestimate a letter 
or a card or a WhatsApp or an Instagram message. Let me illustrate this to you. When our eldest daughter went to uni at High Wycombe, the first week she was there, I felt prompted by God to send her a card, to write a Bible verse in the card, and send her a little gift for a treat. And so I sent it off. The next week, I felt prompted to do the same thing. And for a whole year... I sent her a card every week with a Bible verse and with a little gift. On the day she was getting married, she's upstairs almost ready. Dad's downstairs waiting for her to come down. And she shouts, Dad, will you come up for a minute? I said, yeah, of course. So I went upstairs and she's standing there in all her beauty. Absolutely stunning. And she looks at her bed and there's a shoebox in her bed and she points to the shoebox and she said, do you know what's in there, Dad? I said, a pair of shoes. She says, no, look. And it opened up the lid and there in the box was every card I ever sent her at university. And she says, you know, Dad, in that first year, Those cards kept me at uni. In that first year, every verse that you sent every week encouraged me to remain strong and to follow Jesus every step of the way. Never underestimate the power of a card or a letter or a text or an email. Listen, I went to Barnstable after college in North Devon. I was ordained there in 1986. We were there for five years, and then we were called through to Bournemouth to lead the church that I was a student in. And in our first year in Bournemouth, we had a card, we had a letter, we had a visit, we had a gift, from Barnstable, North Devon, for a whole year. A whole year. Expressing their love to us as a couple. I was preaching uh, one Sunday morning at church and uh, went home, sat down to have my lunch, and I noticed that I had a text. And so I opened up the text, and it was from the chairman of the trustees, And uh, he says, Paul, I just wanted you to know that I love you and I love your preaching and your sermon this morning is top drawer. I thought, that's encouraging. Then I looked at the text and I was only 15 minutes into my sermon. (laughs) Is that an encouragement or what? And we all have the ability to express our love and our appreciation for each other. So maybe this morning, somebody's waiting for that card or that text or that Instagram or or that letter to express how much they're loved and valued within the kingdom. Secondly, he wrote this letter to bring them spiritual insight. 
1 Thessalonians 4.13 Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. There seemed to be some confusion about the resurrection of Christ. There was some confusion about those who died in Christ. There was confusion about their resurrection. So Paul writes to them and he takes this opportunity to speak truth and revelation and insight. And in so doing, he inspires them to look to the future with great expectation and believe that the best had yet to come. Their hearts were open, they were hungry, they were receptive to Paul's insight and to Paul's wisdom. Now, I don't know about you, but I've been on the road as a Christian 45 years, and I still need a Paul in my life. I need someone to speak spiritual truth and revelation into my life. And I am open and I am eager to receive that in order it will enhance my spiritual journey with God. I want to receive that. But I not only want to receive that from a Paul, but I want to be a Paul. I want to give a word in season. I want to inspire and encourage people with the word of God. So I want to encourage you, church, this morning. Let's not only be open to express God's love to each other, but let us be open to speak the word of God, the truth of God, into each other's lives in order that we might grow and enhance our relationship with him. Secondly, the way he encouraged them was he sent them a helper. 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 1 to 5. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. And for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. For I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. Do you feel the passion and the desperation and and the pain and the agony in Paul's heart? Paul says, when I could stand it no longer, his concern for the church almost overwhelmed him. And so he sends Timothy. Now, I believe that Timothy was Paul's best friend and closest companion. And I believe that because when Paul sent Timothy to the church at Philippi, this is what he says of Timothy. He says, there is nobody like Timothy. Absolutely nobody like Timothy. He is the best of the best. 
Now, Timothy's ministry was threefold. First of all, he had to strengthen them in the faith. Now, the word strengthen here in the Greek, it means to support. It means to make strong that which was weak. And I can't begin to imagine how they felt when they saw Timothy. Oh my goodness, they, they must have been so encouraged when they saw that Paul had sent the best of the best. Now we don't actually know what Timothy said or what Timothy did, but I'm sure he did what Paul asked him to do and that was to strengthen them in the faith. One of my favorite passages in scripture is to do with Jonathan and David in 1 Samuel 23. David is on the run from Saul. And we read that he's in a field and he's discouraged and he's disillusioned and he's disappointed and he's on his own. And then we read these words that Jonathan went to Horish. He went to the field and he helped David find strength in God. Now, we don't know how he did that. Did he hug him? Did he kiss him? Did he pray for him? Did he remind him of God's prophetic word over his life? Whatever he did, he helped David find strength in God. Several years ago, when our youngest daughter, who was about 14, she was in Southampton Hospital, uh, and she was very ill, and a procedure went very wrong. And it was, for me, the dark night of the soul. She seemed to be steadily getting worse, and the doctor's couldn't understand why. And I remember standing in a room this day feeling so overwhelmed in such despair. And the door opened up and it's my friend from Barnstable who traveled four and a half hours to help me find strength in God. And we stood in that room and he opened up the scriptures and and he read a Bible passage and then he lay hands on me and, and he prayed over me and he helped me find strength in God. Let me tell you this, church. When the going gets tough, we're here to help each other find strength in God. That's what body ministry is all about. Whether it takes you four minutes or four and a half hours, we're here to help each other find strength in God in God. Secondly, he had to stand with them in the trials. Paul had warned them of hardship. He said, hardship is coming. Difficult days are ahead. Persecution is coming. Your faith will be tested and challenged. And Paul hears how severe these trials have become. And so he sends Timothy. What does Timothy do? Timothy goes and he steps into their world. Timothy goes and he steps into their pain. He steps into their 
persecution. He steps into their world. He steps into their trial. And he encourages them. He would inspire them to fix their eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of their faith, so that they will not grow weary and throw in the towel. You know, it's easy to lose heart when the going gets tough. And often we need a Timothy to step into our life and to step into our pain when the going gets tough. I had a very good friend and Will knew him well. He was a pastor in Southampton. And we used to meet up on a regular basis and we used to phone each other. And no matter what time of day I would phone, he would always be eating a bacon butty. (laughs) And so when I phoned him, the first thing I'd say to him is, Gordon, put down the bacon butty. And he would laugh. Sadly, in 2002, God called our youngest daughter, Hannah, home to be with him. She was only 17 and a half. And that loss devastated her lives. I cannot begin to tell you of the pain and the brokenness and the sorrow it brought to her life. Two nights after Hannah died, uh, the doorbell went, and I opened the door, and Gordon's standing at the door. And he's standing there with a packet of bacon and six rolls. And I looked at him and I said, You didn't have to come here. You could have phoned. And this is what he said. He said, phones don't hug. And phones don't taste like a bacon butty. (laughs) What did he do? He stepped into my world. He stepped into my space. He He stepped into my pain and he helped me find strength in God in the midst of the greatest trial that I would ever endure. Sometimes, sadly, when the going gets tough, people don't step in, but they step out. And after Hannah died, sadly, people would cross the road rather than speak to us. I can understand that. Because what do you say? But when trials come, when the pressure is on, there's an opportunity for us to step in and step up and be the church that he's called us to be, to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Thirdly, He had to reaffirm that they were in a spiritual battle. Verse 5, Paul says, I I was afraid. Oh my goodness, you've no idea of how I was afraid that the enemy had taken you out. That the enemy had derailed you. That you'd thrown in the towel. You turned back to your idols. You stopped running the race. You became a mediocre Christian. 
in that culture. And the enemy will use anything in any circumstances to question, weaken, and destroy your faith. When I was diagnosed of the skin cancer, one of my friends sent me a text uh, and the passage from Luke 22, where Jesus says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you sweet, but I'm praying for you. And here's the deal. He will sift you, but you will come back stronger. And you will encourage the saints. We need to be aware of the spiritual battle that we're in. We need to be alert to the enemy and its tactics. Because he wants to rob, steal and destroy all that is good. Liz, will you come and just share? Liz, Liz had this picture just a few weeks ago Thank and you. we felt it was... Relevant so uh, we live in a little cul-de-sac and um, it, it's looked like a um, kind of bomb so, uh, battle zone really recently because all the pipes have been getting dug up and replaced for gas and, um, and they've been just digging up everywhere and our garden just looks like awful. Anyway, the chap came to me and he said, I'm really sorry, I have to dig up this tree. And it's a beautiful fir tree that we bought and we've been, you know, we've nurtured it and grown it and it got to about this height and it was full of beautiful berries. It was kind of like at its prime. And they said, we're really sorry, we have to dig it up. So I'm like, oh, okay. So I got the tarpaulin and I said, could you put it on this? And, and as they dug it up, they chopped away at the main roots, chopped and chopped and chopped. And I was like, oh, my tree is going to die. And they put it on, and I just thought, I've got to keep watering this and try and keep it alive, because only the little roots remained. And the Lord said to me, do you know what? He said, that is like so many that are prodigals. He said, and so many people that have left the church, that their main roots have been chopped away, chopped away, chopped away because of circumstances in their lives and because of disappointment and because of pain and illness. And their roots have been chopped away in God. But you know what? There's still some roots there. And God said to me, and for prodigals in our family, he said to me, you keep praying. You keep watering those trees. You keep praying and you keep praying the Holy Spirit into them. Because do you know what? When you pray, my life is going to come into these like roots and my life is going to come into that tree. And, and when the men pulled up our tree and chopped it all to bits, all the berries fell off. And I was like, oh, that's sad. But we've replanted the tree. And I was looking the other day and the berries have started coming back and the trees come into life again. <clears throat> and the Lord said to me, you see, you think your prayers... And you think I'm not doing anything, but I am. I'm regrowing these roots again in people's lives. And I want you to encourage them. And I want you to encourage them with your life. I want you to encourage them with your prayers. And I want you to bless them and love them. Even the most unlovable prodigals, I want you to love them and pour my spirit into them. And you will see life and they will come back to me. Thanks, Liz. 
there is a spiritual battle for souls today. Uh, the nation is littered with prodigals. I think it was two years ago on Father's Day, Liz and I were here and we prayed for the prodigals. My brother, who was 30 years in the wilderness, came back to faith in Jesus. Since then, his daughter has become a Christian. Two weeks ago, he took five of his family to church. It is a spiritual battle and we need to fight. Finally, Paul encouraged them by praying for them. He sent them a letter. He sent them a helper. But he prayed for them. Paul was a prayer warrior. He'd seen incredible answers to prayer. And for this church, he prays into four areas. First of all, he prays for their faith. 1 Thessalonians 3.10 Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. The word earnestly here means intensely, without ceasing. Paul says, I pray for you guys every day and every night. And he wanted their faith to lack nothing. He wanted them to complete to be complete, to be strong, and to be bold. I find it in incredibly encouraging when I'm going through a rough time and someone sends me a text or a card or an email saying, I'm praying for you that your faith will remain strong. Uh, the day that Liz and I went to see the consultant, the surgeon about the operation, he said, when can you come in? I said, not for three weeks. He said, why? I said, I'm doing a preaching tour of North Devon. He said, really? What kind of preaching tour? I said, well, I used to be a local pastor in the church. I said, but now we travel all over the UK and uh, we're down in North Devon speaking at a number of churches, then doing a leadership conference. He said, that sounds great. When are you back? Oh, I'm back in the 26th. Great, we'll operate on the 28th. And so we went off to North Devon right after the consultation. And people thought we were mad. They were thinking, shouldn't you rest at home and, and, and be ready for the operation? No, because God had called us to do this ministry. God had an appointed appointment for us, even in difficult circumstances. We to be strong and courageous for the Lord our God was with us. And Bedenstock, you have no idea of the encouragement, the video you sent us, the night you came together for prayer, the Bible verses you sent us, the prophecies you sent us, the worship songs you sent us. They sustained us through three weeks of ministry. They inspired us. They encouraged us. And I want to encourage you today with regards to what God did during that time. The first Sunday morning, we're pre preaching in the church I was ordained at, uh, 400, 500 people. And I spoke about my cancer, and I said, you know what, at the end of the day, Jesus is in the boat, Jesus is in the storm, and he makes all the difference. And he speaks to the wind and the waves, even in the midst of the storm, and he says, peace be still, and we're still. We, we're peaceful. Because he's in the boat. Gave an appeal for people to come forward at the end. Over a hundred people queued up. And the first girl was this 
Lovely young girl, about 28. Beautiful face. No hair. Bandana across the top. And she said to me, I just want to encourage you this morning. She says that, that I've been through cancer treatment over the past year. And I've just recently received the news that I'm all clear. And I said, praise God. I said, I want to pray that you'll remain clear and there'll be no sickness in your body and no cancer in Jesus' name. So I laid hands on her and prayed with her. And there were so many people that had to move on, moved on to the next person. The friend who brought her to the front, she looked at her friend and she said, I don't have what he has. And her friend says, what's that? She says, Jesus is in his boat. Jesus is in his life and he's not in mine. She said, would you like to give your heart to Jesus? Would you like to encounter Jesus? She said, yes, please. And I thought, if this is all about this, one soul for eternity is worth it. And you prayed that God would use us. And that young girl entered the kingdom of God. We were there for almost two hours praying for folk. And this man was sitting in the front and the pastor says, I'm sorry, Paul, can you speak to this man? I said, of course I can. Thank you for waiting. You are. He says, my name is Bill. I said, Bill, what would you like to do today? He said, I'd like to come home. He says, I've been a prodigal for 25 years. I moved into Barnstable 20 years ago, never been to church. Woke up this morning and God says, you're going to church. Where should I go? Go to that train station that's been converted into a church. And he said, I found myself here. And he said, I want to come home. He said, I want Jesus back in my boat. I want Jesus back in my life. And so we were so grateful that you were praying for us that our faith would remain strong. Secondly, he prays for the love for one another. 1 Thessalonians 3, 12. May your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. Paul wants their love to overflow. He wants their love to increase. They were a loving church. You are a loving church. They were a caring church. You are a caring church. But he wanted that to increase more and more. And I personally have been overwhelmed by the love of God's people over the past four months. We have received so many messages from so many nations and so many churches. It has been incredible. Thirdly, he prays for the lifestyle. 1 Thessalonians 3.13 May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in his presence. The God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when he comes with his holy ones. In chapter 1 he says to him, you are a role model as a church. You are a role model in Macedonia and beyond. And then Paul prays that they will be kept blameless. The phrase here means without accusation. Nobody pointing the finger. Paul wants the church to be ready for the Lord's return. He said it will happen in a moment. The trumpet will sound and the Lord, he will come back. 
And John, when he writes his letter, he says, don't be ashamed of his coming because he is coming back. Be faithful in your lifestyle and don't conform to the world. I want to encourage you, Buckskin. Be a role model for the church in this area, in this conurbation and beyond. And finally, Paul prays for the prophetic voice. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-22. Do not quench the spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt. But test them all. Hold on to what is good. And reject every kind of evil. Paul knew the importance of God's prophetic voice. And he wants them to step out and speak the heart, the mind, and the will of God. He wanted to fan into flame that prophetic voice. In 1 Chronicles 12, 32, we read that the men of Issachar understood the times and the seasons of God, and they did what was right and good for Israel. The men of Issachar had great wisdom. They had prophetic gifting. And they spoke into the heart and into the life of Israel. And they did what was good. What we need today within the church is men and women who have insight and foresight, who have a prophetic cutting edge to hear the voice of God and reveal the heart of God so that the decisions that we make will be good and right for the church and for the conurbation. I believe that the Lord wants to increase that prophetic gift, especially here in Buckskin, as well encourage you this morning to listen for the heart of God and to share the heart of God. And he will give you insight and foresight as you wait in him. There is great power in encouragement. And I want to uh, ask if you would respond in three ways today. First of all, if you find yourself in a storm, if you're in a difficult place, if the going is tough, then we would love to step in and not step out. We'd love to stand with you and pray that your faith will remain strong, that you will know the reality of Jesus in the boat. Secondly, I feel that some of you need to express your love and your gratitude to people who are not here today, people who've blessed you, people who've inspired you, people who've been a Jonathan to you, they've been a Paul to you, they've been a Timothy to you, but they're not here today. And I'm going to ask you to do something that I thought I would never ask you to do in church. Why don't you pick up your phone, even now? Why don't you text them and tell them how much you love them and how much you value them being in your life and how much you appreciate them? And thirdly, if someone, now let's take one moment, just look around. Look around Buckskin. Look around the church. 
And if someone in this church has been a Jonathan to you, they've been a Paul to you, they've been a Timothy, when, when everybody was walking out, they were walking in, then I want you to go and find them this morning. I want you to encourage them. I want you to bless them as part of this family of God here. So I'm going to ask the music group to come. And if you would like us as a leadership team to step into your difficult circumstances and pray for you, we'd love to do that. If you want to go on your mobile now, then that would be terrific. And you text someone, you bless them and encourage them. If you want to find someone in this lovely fellowship and thank God for them and pray and bless them, then these are the moments to encourage each other to be the church that God's called us to be because there is power in encouragement. So let's stand. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your encouragement to us. We thank you for Jesus. We fix our eyes on him, the author and the perfecter of our faith, so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. But Lord, we thank you that you've brought us together. We thank you we belong together because we belong to you. We are the family of God. And we want to encourage each other we want to support each other. We want to inspire each other to be all that you've called us to be and much, much more. So Lord, would you do that in these moments by your spirit as we pray for each other, as we send texts to those who are not here. Lord, as we demonstrate our love and our loyalty and commitment to you and to each other. Would you inspire and encourage us today? Would you encourage us so that we can encourage others? I pray in Jesus' name.